and welcome back to part two of Frivolous Gravitas. You've got yours truly, Christopher Driver, here with my co-host, Jordan Roy, and uh, co-producer. We're happy that you're tuning in for this part two on the subject of forgiveness. Um, part one, we talked about uh, forgiveness of self for our own actions and forgiveness of others for others' actions that uh, in inflict some kind of harm or pain upon us. Um, we've talked about unsolicited apologies and fake apologies. Um, pretty much everybody should be familiar with that because I think we all do it and have done it to some degree. Sure, certainly kids have done it. So if you haven't done it lately, you probably did it as a child at the very least. Um, moving forward, uh, I'll let Jordan take the reins here and just uh, sort of take us into some new territory, some some deeper thoughts and and more not convoluted, but I guess more, more complex uh, items of respect to, to forgiveness. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm super deep. <laughs> I dabble in deep. Um, <laughs> you dive. Yeah. I, I really do. I wouldn't mind doing an episode one day on just um, that whole thought process of like, you know, things that sound deep and being deep. Because we should do a woke culture one. Oh gosh. We could be rant episode number two on the woke culture. Oh, I could get into that thing that the New York um the New York school division just put out on what to their white uh things where it's just like, where is your level of white supremacy? It's just like, <laughs> are you what? This is literal racism. Um, and it's uh it's just like I read it and I was just it just made me angry. But um, now one of the things, I guess that's an example of one of the things I wanted to get into, uh, segue, um, was, and I was thinking about this a bit too during the break, was that idea of imagined slights. So um, a lot of what we think is an offense against us is not, you know, they, they did this. It's like, yeah, but that wasn't a bad thing or that didn't actually happen or that's all in your head or, you know, or they did that and it wasn't actually like, they didn't mean it like that. Yeah, it wasn't directed at you. It's just yeah. something that happened that affected you. Yeah. So you say something like, Oh man, I hate those people that do this. And you're like, Oh, I do that. Does he hate me? Did he mean that about me? Ma, 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 ma. So then you get that you know, you, you bring that onto yourself and you have these imagined slights and you can create, um, the human mind is amazing at creating imagined, um, uh, threats. Just look at any conspiracy, uh, theory where it's just like this or that thing's out to get us. Well, it's actually this thing and the lizard people, blah, blah, blah. And you get these really complex things of, uh, you know, the forces leveled against, you know, uh like this you know one guy in the middle of nowhere he's just like and that's what i'm fighting against it's like okay okay or the forces of this or that or you know the nazis are taking over america or the communists are taking over america or america's taking over america or something <laughs> or <laughs> and the um or like the 1619 project or something stupid like that. I mean, going back to wokeism, but like um, these, 
but if we, we, we see them all day on like a, on a personal level, it's a lot smaller than that too. Like you, you, you buy something, the clerk says something, you're like, what did he mean by that? Or, you know, you, you go online and you're texting people. It's like, and you're trying to interpret the tone of a text and then you create an imagined slight or you create an imagined, um, passive aggressiveness to the other person and all of a sudden you are in contention where there was none and now you can take umbrage and just be like how dare you or you can you know be like you know ask for you need to forgive your you need to ask for forgiveness for what you've done and the person going is like what (laughs) i need to ask for forgiveness for saying have a nice day in like that for using t- the wrong tone or yeah no i used to be really bad at this because i i remember when i was working some of my jobs i had a bit of a permanent death glare on because i was just not enjoying like just going to work and i remember one time someone asked uh jordan are you having a bad day and i'm like apparently i had this like hmm. And I was just probably thinking about school and stuff while I was you know, making the Starbucks drinks. And I was just like, no, I'm actually having quite a good day. I'm just not showing it on my face. I don't have to be like, oh, every day. Like, I don't have to display my happiness to all times. Or, um, But I think a lot of what we do is sort of, um, it, it leads to that just by the nature of how our brains work and interpret reality. Like, our brains are constantly receiving stimuli from like our auditory and taste and tactile senses and visual sensories. So like our sensory perception is constantly being manufactured by our brains into a reality that we then interpret as what's actually there and true. So it's, it's like our brains are designed and function based on creating these types of ideas. So I, I don't think anybody's really immune to it. We all find imaginary slights even though it sounds like something oh i don't do that but everybody does it because that's how your brain works it has to do that yeah and you can get rid of it a bit with um uh just a uh, you know self logic yeah self-honesty logic's like no you're just tired like there's a lot of human like there's a lot of stuff in that i realized that i do not because it's like oh just because they're this or those people are that it's like I'm hungry and I haven't eaten in a while. I haven't had enough water today or I didn't get enough sleep. I'm just tired. Yeah. Or I've been holding a pee in for a really long time and it's just uncomfortable. (laughs) I remember being in class and having to pee, but we had a guest speaker. So I was just sitting there like, (laughs) (laughs) it's just like, I I was just like, I don't want to be rude, but I look like I'm just fuming. Um, But uh, I should have just left. But um you know, but see, that might have been an interpreted slight from the speaker. Right. If you walk out mid mid split. That's now, exactly what we're sort of getting at. Now, if you're neurotic, you're gonna look for these things and you're gonna you're gonna create these things, you know, as as a matter of course. And um the like you're gonna ask for forgiveness, you're gonna look for uh, you know, uh reparation but you're not going to be it's not going to be easy to get because the other party is going to be like either you know i don't see that as a bad thing or that's you're interpreting it wrong or like, they'll get they'll they'll offer an insincere apology just to get you over it kind of yeah or they'll do like what the like we were talking about in the last uh part where uh you know they'll give a public apology i'm sorry that my tweet offended someone i know that the plight of 
insert, you know, uh, insert victim name some here. victim category here has a tough time, you know, being hunted in the streets or whatever as they are. Uh, and they, um, it's, you know, they just do the thing and move on, which is a polite thing to do, but it's not honest. It is polite and, you know, polite, polity but they, you don't have to be polite in every situation they don't have to be nice you don't really and you can it. be genuine in your your attempt to be polite too so yeah. even insincere apologies aren't necessarily inherently negative because the, the person might genuinely say like i didn't well, do anything wrong but i want you to feel better yeah but it doesn't quite hit home the same way right the other thing you can do is try and uh create more understanding which is a noble goal. Okay, so we obviously misunderstood what was going on. Uh, I didn't see it as a slight. I'm sorry you took offense to it. Here's what I meant. Uh, hopefully in the future, you'll interpret my you know, responses more accurately and I'll keep in mind that you are a you know, fragile <laughs> a sense, sensitive being yes yeah, sensitive being a very feeling person um and uh you know well we, we now we know more about each other and we can you know we can exist in a state of camaraderie instead of you know mm. uh enmity and um the that usually doesn't get taken very well because like, you oh, you're just trying to, you know, cover up, but whatever you, if someone is, and this is, if someone is knee bent on something, it's very going to be very hard to convince them otherwise. And, um, sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Um, now, and it's almost partially justified too, because if my experience is based on my interpretation of the world around me and somebody else's experience is equally based on their interpretation of their reality, it's almost uh, arrogant to suggest that my reality is more valid than someone else's, even when they're wrong, yeah. like in your own point of view, it's still just as valid for them to have a feeling that's worth um, like minimizing or a right. negative feeling that's worth minimizing. And Not minimizing, that would make it less less important i mean mitigating yeah now the that's why we bring in third parties um who arbitrators arbit arbitrators because we um we we need someone because we have a conception of reality they have conception of reality we bring in a third person to see which one is closer to reality or if they're both off base or actually you both have good things so we need to come to compromise compromise or you guys need to just stop fighting and never talk to each other again because you are both off base so we're just going to separate you forever <laughs> because <laughs> there can be no uh compromise or you know shared ground here um, but objective opinions are really valid especially in subjective conflicts yes yeah. yeah so you can say okay from outside here's what i'm seeing and they both gang up on the arbitrator and how oh, look at this guy, look how stupid he is. And they, you know, find true love again in the divorce court is no longer <laughs> needed because they just come together in their hate of the divorce. You lawyer. sound like a novelist now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teaching too much storytelling, I think, maybe. Um maybe I'm reading too many books. But um the Yeah, so Sometimes you're just not going to win. 
and sometimes you just need to uh okay um they're obviously have a weird conception of reality so i need to uh, play it as you will uh but i guess the question is should you ask for forgiveness for something you didn't do or even so you have a false uh you have a perceived slight but then you have perceived innocence which is i guess when we bring it in now when it's proven part and parcel yeah i guess when it's proven you bring the arbitrator and then you have to agree okay here's how the game works says the arbitrator and because we all think we're right the arbitrator says okay you're the one that's actually in the wrong based on whatever and you're gonna have to do this so okay now i'm not allowed to play the um i'm not allowed to play umbrage anymore so i have to play the polite card instead of you know the understanding card because we all we tried to you know make understanding a thing but now i'm just gonna try the apology i'll do my forgiveness because i want to move forward so you're going to essentially show your stomach to the predator be like I'm sorry, please take what you will. And, you know, so we can all get on with our lives and drop our pencils and um, move forward. Now, the now it, it really gets bad is when someone doesn't, it's like they, they ask for forgiveness, but what we want is not forgiveness. We want their destruction. Okay, then you're dealing with someone that you can't really deal with. And then, now this leads me into my um, my big example that I, uh that i uh was gonna talk about now the biggest example of forgiveness uh happened after the second world war now to preface forgiveness again is not justice justice was served by a different department um (laughs) in the form of nuremberg trials and war crimes tribunals and um they never finished those eh uh, some, sometimes they were finished by third parties. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking that some of them were just assassinated. Yeah, so that's a polite way. But um, one of the things that they did after World War II um, was not just the big guys, but a lot of the small guys. A lot of people were, I think it was the Americans that ran this. They kind of just took everyone in Germany together and asked them what involvement they were with the Nazis, and they, they categorized them, and they kind of just said... You know, if you were just kind of like unwilling but participating, you know, slap on the wrist. All right, go back to being German or something. And uh, I think I went through this in Richard J. Evans' book, uh, The Third Reich at War. At the end of the book, he details how uh, the dismantling of the um, uh, the regime there was handled. Now, uh, I don't want to get too much into that because we have in the first half of the 20th century, two examples of what we were talking about. One act, actually two acts of forgiveness after the end of World War II, because we learned our lesson after the end of World War I, after the Treaty of Versailles. Now, we kind of all know the story, but the nations got together, blamed Germany for something they kind of really didn't do. Um, And the allies, uh, especially Clemenceau of the French wanted blood. They were looking for um, revenge for a war that had uh, reasonably and understandably made them uh, 
quite angry at the opposing side. Now, the problem was, is that they didn't just want blood. They wanted to cripple them because, you know, after the Franco-Prussian War, French and Germany were always kind of like, oh, no, this is mine. No, that's mine. No, this is mine. No, that's mine. And then after World War I, they took back Alsace-Lorraine, which the Germans had taken. So we have this wheel of fire that we've got going on. And now after World War I, you get the Treaty of Versailles, which um, the instituted a debt, uh, war debt on reparations on Germany, which they actually did pay back very recently. Um, I was surprised, but you know, um, this honor in honoring, uh, respect in honoring your uh, your debts. Not and, only that, they bailed out the eurozone like almost unilaterally. It was yeah. Germany that helped all of Europe. Yeah, which is and really that's, ironic. But well, it's like, not, kudos to them. It's not ironic because what happened was after World War One. Um, they did not try, they didn't look beyond the end of the war. We need to win the war. Okay. What happens after the war? Well, after the war, we'll just go really business as usual, except we'll be super victorious and in a lot of debt. And, uh, everyone was in a debt, in debt, not just the Germans, but the Germans got hit very hard. Um, and it made them very resentful and the politics of the time, led to surprise surprise a that level of resentment led that them to turn to a leader now not everyone turned to a leader and there was a lot of dirty tricks blah 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 not all germans blah 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 it happened though there was enough support that germany just went with it and it led into a conflict which was 10 times worse than the first one um now that conflict uh, was a perfect place for resentments to be created. And we still have resentments from that time. Um, what see, conflict are you talking about? The Second Sorry. World War. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the First World War led directly into the Second World War. Now, in the first, after the First World War, Versailles was essentially like picking meat off of uh, the body of Germany. Now, the Second World War was won, and what happened wasn't um, a uh, was a lot different. What happened was the world essentially forgave Germany and Japan, and rebuilt them, and made them, you know, stood them back up. We, we punch them down as hard as we could but instead of like saying and learn your lesson and they're sitting down there all resentful blah 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 blah, pick them up and say it's okay you learn your lesson germany is like i guess and now we have two states which are these bastions of freedom and uh personal uh, personal freedoms and equality that are seen as the most, some of the two of the most free nations in the world. Um, and like you just said, Germany was able to pay off their debt and bail out the rest of Europe. Um, I'm not going to get into the economics of that, <laughs> but these countries are not seen as, you know, the tyrannical evil things anymore. They, we forgave them and they moved past it and we helped them back on a track that 
move them away from totalitarianism, move them away from these genocidal tendencies, uh, away from uh, immorality. And, and that was all part of the Treaty of Versailles too, or you know, free navigation of the seas, open trade agreements, and well, yeah, Versailles had to be public, that kind of thing. Yeah, so that was the Treaty of um, the the Treaty that ended World War II was was a whole bunch of treaties, but um, the peace after World War II, after Versailles, was just like you owe us. You're not allowed to have an army. You're not allowed to have any respect. You're not allowed to have any money. You're not allowed to have any fun. Um, you everything. Your your economy is. You know, you have to have this type of economy, feel bad. But that yeah. was all temporary, though. I mean, the Treaty of Versailles was initially, in my understanding of it, was to set them on a long-term rule of open democracy. It was. They didn't do a good job, though. Um, here's here's some democracy as a treat. And uh, also, like, you have to pay us back. And and I guess I'm, 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 I'm leaning a lot on... Uh, I'm leaning a lot on a lot of stuff, but... I keep thinking of uh, John Maynard Keynes's The Consequences of the Peace, where he was at Versailles and he looks at, he talks about Clemenceau just, you know, looking for blood. He didn't want, you know, Clemenceau didn't care. The British and the Americans were more interested, especially Woodrow Wilson, who were looking for, uh, with Woodrow Wilson's League of Nations, uh, who were looking to institute a, you know, a new order a la what happened after World War II. But people weren't interested in that. Because the one of the major powers, France, wanted blood, um, and the British people, to some extent, wanted blood as well, um, and it's understandable. We can understand this as people. It's like, why would they do this? Don't they know that World War II is coming? It's like, well, hindsight's really fun, isn't it? Because you know, if someone, if we go to war with someone, it's really easy to be resentful, especially when with that those levels of casualties, when everyone knows someone who's been lost. And, and on the flip side, it's really easy to not be resentful and criticize people for not forgiving them when you didn't go to war, right? Right. Like having not spent any time in the trenches and being shot at and bombed and like mustard gas and, you know, having your friends and family, everyone in your country affected all over the world. It's really easy for us now in peacetimes to say we should just forgive them. <laughs> yeah. And so. which is why it was such a hard thing to my knowledge after World War II to just say, okay, uh, you know what? Let's let's make Germany, uh, let's build it back up instead of, you know, just punching it down. Now, the Soviets did not have that same mentality at all. Uh, East Germany was, um, was robbed of uh, uh, skilled labor and uh, manufacturing tools and technology was all taken into the Soviet Union, it was just taken out of East Germany and brought into the Soviet Union. This is mine now. I want it because I I, I threw bodies at it. Um, so, but what we did in the West was a lot more humane. We set up markets. We set them up with, uh, uh, is it the Marshall Plan? Yeah. Uh, where we essentially just threw money at the world. The Americans literally just threw money at the entire planet and <laughs> to rebuild it. Um, and it worked uh, <laughs> to some extent. We ended up with a very strong, financially independent Japan, although they have their problems, but we also ended up with a very respectable Germany. Um, one that doesn't 
one that we forgave. But the thing is, is that we forgave them, but we haven't forgiven. We haven't forgotten. We will, and like they will always say, you know, never again, we shall never forget. Now, the Japanese seem to have a problem with remembering certain parts of their history, uh, especially the parts where they decided to take a vacation in China. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scientific journey. It's like, oh boy. Um, and I'm not saying that the Allies were the bastions of morality in themselves. We were better, but <laughs> that's not the point here. The point is, is that these are examples of what happens when you take the harder path, the one, not the instinctual path, beat him down. So he doesn't get back up. But the thing is, if you can't, you can kill a person, but you can't really kill a nation um, for their spirit. Yeah. And if you beat, if you keep beating them down, they'll just have more reason to get up and hit you and try and beat you down. The, the cycle continues and you'll, you can make up a reason for having an enemy or making someone an enemy easily. You can make you can pick someone randomly on the street and make three reasons why you hate that person. They don't like the cut of their jib. You you, you think they walk funny. That, <laughs> they swear too much. It's they a got dog skin. whistle. They they got this skin or that skin. Yeah, exactly. And so oh, you see that way he you know turned around there. That's a dog whistle for this. And it's just like oh jeez, you can make stuff up. We're really good at that. Like the Pepe meme. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. Like, how, how do you make a green frog into a, a white supremacy lo logo? Like, <laughs> you just tell it's people. It's a cartoon, dude. You just tell people, or that like uh, the 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 symbol where you do this. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, that means this. It's like, or this yeah. means Illuminati. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel as like if one god didn't exist. Like the idea of one god didn't exist before uh, the Illuminati came into power. Well, and we all know the Illuminati is just a front for the lizard men. Like, yes, oh. for the Jewish space lasers. Yeah. <laughs> God, if there were only Jewish space lasers, those would be so much. Those would be so useful for like other things, like drilling on the moon. <laughs> I still can't believe that a U.S. congressperson actually believed that. Like a grown, educated adult leading the country, believe anyway. That's it's yeah. That's insane. I guess I need to forgive insanity. <laughs> well, it's it, it's yeah we might have to just be like you just kind of just like shake your head and move on it's none of my business well it's it's for me that's the purpose of this channel is so that stuff like that is recognized and known just like on the dime to be insane so that yeah. people don't don't just hear it and say oh this prominent person actually believes in this like completely retarded re rhetoric yeah like I, I want a channel where people learn to think for themselves and i i'm hoping that's what frivolous gravitas does for people well, is to help them point out that kind of absurdity it, it is absurd but a like, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really sound absurd that we can get into which we won't because time but uh that you hear over in the news and you're like can you believe that so-and-so of this party or so-and-so of that party said this it's like yeah I can, I don't believe it, but I can, I can, I can put myself in a position where I can believe that. The other thing is, is that I'm getting told that this is how you should think about this. And it's just like, no, I will make my own decision based on evidence that the media isn't giving me. And they're just telling me feel like this. And I'm just like, I need evidence. What's actually happening. I'm going to go do research and I'm going to come be like, 
Okay, so that person is a bit insane, but this whole topic's insane on both sides. So I'm gonna go and oh work my, in my, yeah. I'm gonna go work <laughs> in my garden, you know, uh a la candide. So so and that's that's kind of where I'm sitting at that. Like I don't like I can't. It's like how can you forgive so and so for saying this? It's like cause it's not my place. He didn't say it to me. It has nothing to do with me. He was talking about people in India. <laughs> like, but getting back to our episode, how 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 do we drive mm-hmm. that with forgiveness of people for saying in like ignorant things? Now, I have weird opinions because I mean, about- ignorance feeds ignorance. It sort of goes back yeah. into that cycle that we we're talking about. It's not just violence that begets violence. It's like ignorance begets ignorance, and you know, disinformation campaigns are propaganda. Like. Mm-hmm. It's all kind of interwoven, in my opinion. Hmm. Well, like war is all politics, right? And so are politics, politics by other means. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 it gets really complicated at that because you can't like if you go up to you know your MP or MLA decides to be an idiot and you go up to them and be like you know it's okay I understand where you're coming from. But like, could you do better later? And they'll be like, yeah, but all my other constituents believe this. And like, do they? You know, you write your MP and you say like, what's going on? Uh, but these, these, this is directly related to me. I can be righteously indignant about anything that's happening in the world. I can create an opinion um, and create that, that, you know, their immorality of something that's happening in Uzbekistan. I can't believe there's someone doing that. It has, but like... And because it's immoral, it offends me, and therefore I'm offended, and therefore they've done something against me. Cool. But, like, again, if you are part of the nation and everyone's around you speaking, you know, screwballs, and you're sitting there being like, this is a lot more nuanced than anything anyone's talking about. And I guess you have to become active in the issues that actually affect you. But again, with politics, it's easy to create imagined slights as well. Um, very easy. Can you believe what this senator from uh, you know, Oklahoma said? Said the guy in Minnesota. It's like cool. <laughs> I don't I, I I it's 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 so it gets so complicated and there's so many factors involved at that point that um but don't you find that they like generate the complication? Like that complication isn't just there on its own. Yeah. If, if people were competent enough to assess reality for what it is, they should be able to discern the difference between somebody saying something completely insane and running to war over it and them saying something totally insane and impeaching them over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when Hitler started talking about the Jews, oh. a rational society, hopefully in today's society with educated population, they would just laugh him out of office, hopefully, yeah. because um, they understand it's stupid. Now he was always kind of talking about the Jews, and there was that rhetoric was a lot stronger back then. Although yeah, but like the forgiveness aspect on, comes in. Oh, it seems sorry. to be building up on both sides, I've noticed lately, is that both the left and the right are becoming anti-Semitic. That's exactly what I was going to get to, is because just lack like, of forgiveness leads to radicalism, I think. Yeah. That leads to the bifurcation of public opinion. And like, because the left is blaming uh, 
everything on the right. <laughs> well, and they're starting to call, they're starting to see the white supremacists being, oh, the white supremacists are just led by the Jews and everyone's just like, okay, wait, what? And then on the right, you get the, you know, the usual rhetoric where it's just like, well, all the, uh, all the Frankfurt school was led by, um, was led by Jewish scholars or something. And it's just like, yeah. Okay, wait, what? Universities are overrun by the left. Like, like there's some Jewish these. conspiracy, which is absolutely bonkers. Because, <laughs> you know, if you've ever met a Jewish person, you're like, well, which you have probably. Well, you're in Winnipeg. That's a that's substantial. Yeah, being a Jew, yeah. <laughs> but, like, they're just people. And people, like, it, it sounds cool, like, in a movie. You know, it's a big conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I don't know. I read some Machiavelli, and he's like, these things are absolutely ridiculous conspiracies over two people and his, his advice is good luck buddy yeah. <laughs> and um, imagine if humans were so coordinated we could run the world from a small group of people <laughs> for six thousand know, years like, <laughs> yeah how much intelligence and coordinated effort it would take to like completely wash over the entire planet's population yeah i guess <laughs> there's some guy like six six and a half thousand years ago sitting around in his you know proto-jewish area and abraham's just like okay guys i got some big brain time thoughts here <laughs> like, <laughs> let's take over the world <laughs> like it's ridiculous it is so ridiculous that people believe this shit like the rothschilds and the band or bilderberg group or whatever Yeah, when it's so much easier explained by like you reality know, wealth begets wealth <laughs> and the tragedy of the commons like yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it, it's just funny to me but it's only funny in the not funny sense like it wouldn't be funny at all if it weren't if there weren't serious people thinking this right right but i, I can't help but think there's like this issue with um forgiveness in the sense that if you just forgive people who think insane things and do nothing about it that's still not helping anybody and if no. If you don't forgive them and you create an opposing party and all you do is slander the other person, like you have in American politics as just an politics. obvious example, <laughs> the lack of forgiveness creates a greater radicalism on both sides. Do yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, it's like forgiveness causes you damnation and lack of forgiveness causes you damnation. So like, where's, where, where does a rational forgiver fit into this equation well forgive but don't forget but at the same time you have the forgiveness is a isn't the process that happens on a automatically it's something that you have to initiate on two sides um and it can be i guess it could be an act of charity uh in kind of a game theory sense you, know, you come out say i will forgive this will you play along with me and move forward and so we can forget this stupid one thing that happened you know i'll forget it if you forget it so we can move together as a group or as a country and you know because we there's bigger things that we need to work about say like certain climate things and which are a lot more complicated than just you know kill the rich people that are polluting the world uh or um and like how affirmative action is more complicated than oh, or, yeah. I mean, racism is more complicated than just affirmative action. Yeah. That like kind of thing. how, 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 where are you on the white supremacy scale? It's like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> well, the like, fact that somebody even designed that scale means that, you know, they had to be at least partially racist to begin with. Now here's my thought is that 
when someone says, puts out a thing that says, can you believe this is happening? Can you believe? And they're like, well, they want they're looking like they're, they're, they're indignant. So they they put it out there because they expect everyone else to be indignant. So they can all be indignant together as a group. And when I see that generally, I'll, it'll have the opposite effect. I'll be like, do you expect just to go out there and everyone to be like, Oh my God, I didn't know. What do I do? Do I contact my local representative? And you know, we got, we got to start something. We got to start a movement and start discussions. It's like, does that actually happen? Is that what happens in your head when you put <laughs> stuff out there? Cause you know, what happens in my head is, duh, that's happening. That's, that's how humans act in this situation. And it starts. And I don't take that group as seriously because I see them as just like, yes, trolls putting stuff out there and it happens on both sides. So I'm sitting here going like, okay, you guys are nuts. You guys are nuts. I hate both of you, (laughs) but, Mm. and I, but now I'm a powerless independent. (laughs) Right. But at the same time you were talking, you talk some like, not you, Chris, but like hypothetical you, um, they talk so much about racism and like, what about the black people? What about the black people? And like, I'm not hearing any voices from any black people when this is taught being said about, but now like every, I'm told that I'm racist because I'm white inherently, but then, you know, I didn't think about it before, but now you pass black people on the street and you're like, my racist did I, did I, did I seem racist when I walked by? And I thought about that in my head one day and I was just like, what the was that? <laughs> and I was just like, well, that's your inherent racism is like, no, I wasn't worried about it before. Cause I was just, you know, they're just people yeah. that had darker. It wasn't skin. even a thing until you started making me self-conscious about it. Yeah. So now I have that's to just the be anxiety like, aspect. That I'm right. Sort of so that's not, that's not white supremacy. That's just internal anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even close to the same thing as thinking you're better than someone else worrying about offending someone else. Right. And not then, the same thing. and then we're, because we have this mentality, we end up segregating ourselves into these, you know, identity silos and which, you know, have their own little, okay, this group, it's like in a video game. Okay. This group is at war with this group. So if they come into contact and the script, you know, makes them fight and it's a lot more complicated than that, you know, it's just like, okay, these two groups can come together and be like, let's just live together. It's okay to be uneasy around people. It's okay to have preconceptions, but like, and yes, there is like, if someone's actually actively racist or even just a troll about it, then yeah, that guy is actually doing something that needs action done upon them. Like, but it's not systemic because, you know, the way we use language, it's like, that sounds like a scientific claim to me. Can you back that up with data? So to me, it becomes, it it all comes down to, um, if you, if you accidentally act in a racist manner and, you know, you can, and you can actually acknowledge it instead of just being like, wow, I was, uh, I was really, uh, anxious there. Why? It's because you're racist. It's like, why would I, you know, it's like, they're not out to get me. They're out for a walk, just like me. And like, they probably don't care. <laughs> Why should I care? They're just going maybe to. Maybe that should be motivation to go to like the media and say, Hey, news reports. Can you stop telling us that an offender is black? Like maybe the news needs to stop accentuating it to make yeah. people stop thinking it subliminally. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't read the Washington post or the New York times anymore. But, and like it might be an avenue to do something proactive about it. 
rather than just being self-conscious and dealing with it personally on an interpersonal relationship basis. Now you say that, but we are actually doing that right now. (laughs) That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But most people aren't motivated by their, their racism. They're not motivated to, to talk to a news editor. Right. (laughs) The first thing they'll do is they'll, they'll say, they'll get defensive and say, I'm not at all racist. I have a black friend. Yeah. Well, (laughs) their impulse is to be defensive and that's not helpful. I wouldn't mind going on news sites to uh, comment and be like, what are you talking about? But then I find the comments are actually just they, like you, 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 you go into the comments and people are, you're, there's too much anonymity. You can't can like everyone's stuck in their place and they're just playing the game. It's like, Oh, I riled them up and got them pissed off. Cause a lot of people that I, mean, I guess we talked about those earlier, those, people that just want a bit of chaos because you know it's funny <laughs> i made them react which yeah, is exciting or whatever yeah so you get those people and that's like that's all that's going to happen in the comments you're not going to convince anyone on the internet you know and they're not going to have that epiphany so one thing you can do is you can have actual long-form discussions or you could just stop watching and engage somewhere else um so if people stop listening to the Washington Post, the Washington Post w- as a as a paper will die. And then but that's almost a greater harm, right? When you've got newspapers and media outlets not knowing why the readership is going down, are they're just going to start selling more people's private data and like using more clickbait ads and being mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like they're just going to get worse. I guess some of that has to come down to trust. I'll do what I can. I hope everyone else will do what they can. Please, everyone else do what they can. And like, if someone's acting like it, like a, you know, someone says, you know, there's something about the Jews, I'll be like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, and I'll be we like, direct our outrage towards the people who can make that change rather than like misdirecting our outrage to somewhere else. Like when the newspaper does something wrong, we shouldn't go to our MLA. Right. Or should we? Well, or we should go to our MLA when it's a, political matter like i'm probably gonna have to go to my mla for the new b new bill that trudeau had came out with yesterday so because that's a political matter it's literally in the yeah, house yeah. of commons i have to if but i want to have a say in being that, ignorant and they're they're promoting ignorance in like an, an, an educational media yeah. so one thing you can do and this is going to sound really um i know this is a bad word but you can start a lobby group mm-hmm. and um, that's what they're for. Yeah. That's <laughs> what they're for. You have a group of people of similar mind coming together on an issue and your lobby group can argue with other lobby groups. If they're, you know, a respectable one instead and don't, don't just go, I'm not talking to you because you, I'm not talking to, you know, this or that label that they put on you. Now, the thing is, is that if you are, um, if we actually allow for, proper debate then we will have more truth out there i think we might be getting off track (laughs) but the the way we got here though was talking about the ramifications of forgiveness whereas like a unilateral forgiveness of people for absolutely anything just like in the world war or in today's standards with racism in the media 
and and just systemic. I use the media as like an outlet for the system, so it's kind of the obvious right. example. So if people just forgive okay. blindly, they're not going to solve any problems. Now, and if they don't forgive blindly, they're going to cause more problems. Now, so where's that middle down? Here's my thought, and I'm going to get. Well, people aren't going to like this, but you have the idea issue between cops and uh, Black Lives Matter, that kind of thing. Now, getting rid of cops is stupid. Racism mm -hmm. against black people is stupid. So, <laughs> given that, given that we have those uh, those two things, the cops should be finding ways to forgive black people not even forgive because there are bad apples okay i'm treading very lightly here now black lives matter also should be finding ways to create a scenario where they can come together and shake hands with each other and be like let's move forward together with and the I've, police you're talking with about the police yeah. so we want people in groups to come to not be thinking about how can we get our ends how can we come together in an act of, and part of this act is only part of it is forgiveness. Okay. We're going to put the past behind us. I forgive you in your past ignorance. We forgive you in your past ignorance. Let's move forward together. And we have to, forgiveness is something that helps people get to that table. It's something to strive for because how can we get to a place where we can say we're sorry? How can we get to a place where they can say they're sorry? And not a forced apology right. or an insincere fake one. And not a photo op. Yeah. <laughs> Something where, okay, here's what we want to work towards. And the other side's like, no, no, no. And we get this, and this is essentially what, diplom what diplomacy is. You know, it's like we could go to war or we could have the most aggravating talks humanly possible. But I think a bird hit my window. Uh, the most aggravating talks in history, and anyone looking at them will be like, nothing's happening. But diplomacy is better than, you know, war. Because we forget this, and it'll be so easy to forget. People die in war. <laughs> and I don't know why. And, and wars to... take time, too. So, oh, yeah. like, diplomacy is slow, but war is also very, very slow. So, every day <laughs> that d diplomats are doing... Uh, talking instead of fighting is a day that we've gained that we don't need to forgive another thing. And, and we've saved expenses and reappropriation of industry and like wasteful use of, mm -hmm. of like energy resources and money. So like the trauma on a generation that war causes them, like even in the 90 or the two thousands from the, the Afghanistan war, yeah. It's not that we lost hundreds of thousands of soldiers, but the few thousand we did lose compounded on top of all of the tens of thousands that were traumatized by it and came home and we had to care for them and, and deal with the, the aftershock, right? Yeah. In, in hindsight, we might look back on that and say that America and the world kind of needed to learn that lesson again. But I don't really want to say that. No, no, it's another, that's another long discussion. Yeah. Now I kind of want to bring it back maybe because I think this is a good place to uh, start wrapping up because what's happening here is that a person you are at enmity with, a person that has slighted you or that you've slighted is an enemy and 
you, if you're a friend, you don't want to, the forgiveness allows you to keep friends as friends and turn enemies into acquaintances or even friends. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be hard because it's supposed to be meaningful. And this is why you have that Christian notion. It's like, oh, you attacked me. I forgive you. And Jesus actually meant it, you know, whether you not you believe in it or not, if it's just a story to you, if it's truth to you, this it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant because Jesus meant it. And he's the ideal forgiver. Um, you know, not counting God, I guess. <laughs> well, he is God, so it does count. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're not gonna get into let's just counsel in IKEA. Let's do it again. Come on. No. <laughs> but um that's uh he's um he's a example of what we should strive to be um morally with regard to that um and i think that's a lesson that we should be taking in not just like oh yes i will forgive people no 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 this is not so i'm not telling you go go forgive something and your life will be great this is something you need to start if you're listening to this this is forgiveness is a meditation how can this exist in my life and i use it and i've used it for a long time and it's created a lot of um peace in my life uh i have a very healthy relationship uh because i don't let things get out of control i i nip them in the bud and i use forgiveness to do that and it's hard because i have to admit going against you know i lose face for half a second and then i gain friends forever so that's the pay it's 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 expensive up front but it's got a big return and maybe that goes into the sacrifice jesus had to make for us uh, in the Christ- that's essentially what all forgiveness is when you ask for forgiveness you're sacrificing your own pride and dignity and you know what i mean like you're offering yourself to submit to someone else right in seeking an apology uh, uh forgiveness for an apology yeah and I, I think that's what's critical to understand is that forgiveness is sort of an interpersonal relationship. Even when you're forgiving yourself for something, you're forgiving past you who is less mm-hmm. self-aware than present you. Because if you knew better and didn't do it, you clearly didn't understand it as well as you know now if you feel remorse. Yeah. So there's always that two-party aspect to it. And nobody can really deny you of that. If, if you seek forgiveness in my opinion at like genuinely and sincerely and make the effort and they don't offer it to you all you can do is forgive yourself there's mm-hmm. no reason on earth that you should stop you know living and just shut everything down and completely batten down the hatches because someone else won't offer a yes yeah that's insane forgiveness yeah. is the process of seeking it and then accepting it for yourself if somebody else is seeking it from you so it is two it's a two-way street but it's also um, part and parcel to it is um, it's like the self-acknowledgement of the remorse, basically. To go so far as to put yourself out to submit to somebody else is acknowledging to yourself that you truly are sorry for something. And that yeah. should be enough for you to uh, forgive yourself. Yeah, and I the know. other thing is, I just wanted to quickly mention before before we wrap up too, and you did state this before, but I wanted to sort of quote you on it, um, that justice is not the same thing like forgiving somebody for something does not mean that they don't deserve 
to be punished for it. It has nothing to do, like if you forgive a murderer or a pedophile or something, it has nothing to do with how, how much jail time they should get. Yeah. Because you do want people to serve justice. Because if not for that one person to reoffend, there are also other people who might be discouraged from reoffending because they will be encouraged to offend if you let them off with an apology. Right. They are counterproductive. And I'm not the best Christian. Uh, like I said at the beginning, if someone in that situation, if someone comes for me or my family, I'm not, I'm going to act without remorse. I'm not going to look for forgiveness. Now, that being said, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not, you know, hurt. But that's, uh, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> the justice and yeah, I, don't know, I think we'd probably just end up rehashing this, but yeah, it's, I don't know, I think get yourself out of the wheel and move on to another path. Cause, uh, if you find yourself, um, acting as a firebrand for one thing or another, chances are you're on the wheel and, um, forgiveness gets you off the wheel. Someone you can ask, you're asking someone to pull you off and it is self-serving, but that's okay because in helping yourself, you can help others better. And, because we're existing not as selves in a cynical, you know, give and take zero sum, either I win or they and they or they win and the loser gets nothing. Um, we're building relationships in society. And the individual is important, but we are an individual as a part in, in, in relation to everyone else in society. So this is a mechanism that we can't forget. And it's hard. <laughs> so word dog. Um, yeah, that's, I think it. Cool. Well, thank you for an inspiring and riveting conversation as always. Yep. Thanks You've been listening, for listening to Frivolous Gravitas. We've See got a RSS feed now, chrisdriver.com slash feed slash RSS feed.xml for you podcast listeners out there who want the audio only version, but as always, we'll be publishing our videos to YouTube at infinitum, regardless of how you prefer to consume our media. But uh, any final thoughts, Jerry Springer time? No, I, I think we're good. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>